Hello, 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 everyone. This is your girl, Dr. Stephanie D. Barnes, and it's almost time. It is almost time for conversations from the C-suite. Of course, we will be beginning the broadcast shortly, but I always want to take a few minutes to ask you to share this out to your network. And you know, here in the C-suite, we believe in the power of three. Please make sure that you invite at least three friends or share it in at least three groups because this is going to be a great conversation and we don't want to have a conversation by ourselves. So make sure that you invite someone to join us because you know there is power when women gather. So I'm going to take a few minutes to invite some people myself so you know what to do. Hang tight and invite. We'll be starting up shortly. All right, everyone. Well, it is time. It is time for conversations from the C-suite. I am Dr. Stephanie D. Barnes, CEO of C-Suite Women's Network, where I help women and a few good men to be the CEOs of their lives so they can be better CEOs in their businesses. And it is my pleasure to welcome you to the C-Suite. That's right. Welcome to Conversations from the C-Suite. Every woman needs to be the CEO of her life. She needs to have a seat at the table and, and create a seat for others. And if there's not a table, girl, make your own. There is power when women gather. Conversations from the C-Suite is a power-packed hour that provides women a platform to share their business and career experiences. Because here in the C-Suite, we want to elevate mindsets and compel women to take action. Because CEOs don't just wait on things to happen, they make things happen. And you know, the C-suite in any organization is where the decisions are made. That's where the chief executive officer is and all those chiefs who are making decisions. Well, each of us has a C-suite in our lives where we are making the decisions. So a CEO makes things happen. It's she is the person who is responsible for deciding upon the direction, developing the strategy, engaging a team to inspire them to execute the goal. Now, as a CEO, you may be a CEO on the rise. You want to get to your C-suite. You are just beginning this process. You're on the rise. You may be a CEO that's on the move. You're new at this. You've been at it for just a little bit, but you're ready to take it higher. And then finally, you may be a CEO. You may have been in the game for a minute, but you know that in every game, there's always a next level. So here in the C-suite, it is the girlfriend's guide to being a CEO. It's where women and sometimes a few good men have powerful conversations about real things that matter to women because we know that life doesn't end when we leave the office. So here at the conversations in the C-suite where we have these great conversations, it's more than about talking about it, but we want to make CEO moves. We want to you to feel something, learn something, and do something. You make those CEO moves, you create your circle of influence, you educate and empower yourself for elevation, and optimize what you learn here to 
I mean, operationalize what you learn here to optimize your outcome. So this is indeed a conversation. Don't just sit there. Make sure that you are active in the feed. We want to hear from you because you're going to get strategies. Again, we're not going to talk about it. We're going to be about it. So are you ready? Are you ready to enter the C-suite? Are you ready for another great episode of Conversations from the C-suite? Well, you know, tonight, you know, y'all gonna make me lose my mind up in here, up in here. We want to ask the question, is your job making you crazy? And I know this is not a pun intended, but you know, sometimes our occupations can drive us just a little bit wild. And there are many stresses in the workplace that can wear us down mentally. And if you're an entrepreneur, oh, Lord Jesus is exponentially more stressful. And many times as CEOs, we are towing the line between our occupations being a source of fulfillment and being a source of stress. We may be literally killing ourselves to make money. So during this episode of Conversations from the C-Suite, you, I have brought back none other than Sheila Rivers, who is going to join me in this conversation about how to manage our stress at work so that our occupations are not occupying our sanity and taking us away from enjoying ourselves and becoming an occupational hazard. So without any further ado, I want to bring to the broadcast none other than Sheila Rivers. Hey, girl. Hey, everybody. How y'all doing? All right. All right. We're so glad to have you back. So glad to have you here in the city. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. And for those of you who don't know, she's getting ready to introduce herself. And of course, we always want you to share the who, the what, and the why. Tell us who you are, what you do, and why you make the CEO moves. All right. Hey, everybody. I'm Sheila Rivers. I'm an LCSW. I also have a master's degree in public health. I'm the owner and chief therapist here at Rivers Psychotherapy Service located here in Gulfport, Mississippi. Um, so that is the who, the what is I actually just provide counseling for people with mental illness um, and just kind of help people cope through life. Uh, the why, why I kind of do this job. Um, this is a passion that I have. Uh, mostly uh, my target audience is women and um, using a lot of the empowerment theory uh, in, in my practice for women. If I can do it, anybody can do it. All right. All right. Well, you know, we want to talk about something that, you know, all of us are dealing with in some shape or fashion. And that is our jobs. You know, what happens when our jobs, our occupations become a occupational hazard. And, you know, there are many stresses that we deal with, many things that come and go and come at us while we just out there trying to make us a little change. So thank you so much for joining us tonight. And I'm just going to turn it over to you to get us kicked off about how we are going to keep our occupations from stressing us out. Right, right. Thank you so much. First of all, what I want everybody to do, if you are um, listening, I want you to put in the feed, what is your occupation? Just what do you do every day? If you're a, a childcare worker, or if you're an attorney, if you're a sergeant, just kind of put that in the feed. So we'll have some feedback. Um, I'd like to see kind of where my audience is coming from that we're kind of talking to tonight. So if you're watching, take a moment, type in what's your occupation, all right? And we'll, we'll start from there. But we do know that stress is a big part of our daily lives and it derive, it can derive from anything from our personal life to our occupational life. Um, and most of the time we spend eight to 10 hours on our job um, during our, our daily time. So that is that is where a lot of our energy is expelled during our occupational time. Yes. And so naturally we will have stressors that come about from our occupation i did a little research before we started this broadcast and um let's see here through u.s news and world report this was actually last year in june actually one year ago june 2017 
the most stressful job was people in the social service field. Yeah, I don't doubt that. Yeah. Yeah. And Dr. Barnes, um, attorneys were at the top. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Attorneys, attorneys were at the top. Um, anything to do with um, anything like in the helping profession was really at the top. They had um, bartenders. I was surprised to see that also in the survey. But yeah. community health workers, child and family workers, clinical social workers. So my job, um, mental health counselors, all of these were in the social service field. Yeah. Um, that was the number one profession of the most stressful jobs in the U.S. Yeah. Um, a second, second close was healthcare professions. Mm -hmm. So anything with rehab counselors, cardio techs, surgeons, physicians. This was the second most stressful job that there were that kind of reigned. Um, nurses, paramedics. Mm -hmm. These these fell second. Yeah. And the third was business professionals. Yeah. So try people, you know, <laughs> trying to make those numbers, trying to make exactly. that profit. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly correct. Yeah. So financial managers, financial analysis and compliance officers, banking True. industry was actually ran a close third also. So I just yeah. did kind of the top three. Um, oh, yeah. It's kind of funny as you talk about that. I, you know, I think you know, in my former profession, covered all, covered several of those. I was an attorney in a healthcare, mm -hmm. <laughs> health system, and I handled compliance. <laughs> oh my God, I was so stressed right. out. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So in in that, um, I was hoping to get a little bit more feedback from our audience tonight to kind of see. Mm -hmm who plays what role and where. Um, but I, I'd like to see like where our audience kind of falls. And some of the stressors that add to our occupation is just being overloaded at work. Yes, yes. Is huge. Right, just right. Taking on so many different aspects. And sometimes when I tell people, sometimes you inflict some of that overload on yourself. Yeah, yeah, you do, you do, you do. You, sometimes you just need to kind of stay in your lane and tend to your business and just do your job. Yeah, because I, I think, you know, one of the things that, you know, I was as I was listening to the uh, list, um, one of the uh, commonality among the, the list were people dealing with people. And, you know, uh, uh, when you have to invest time effort and energy into other human beings and have, you know, as a daily requirement of your job, just the, the, the interactions with, with people's emotions, people that they're, when they're not at their best, if you think about it, you know, attorneys, we're solving problems all the time, social workers, I mean, we're dealing with some severe, with you, uh, but social workers, you know, are dealing with people dealing with crises and just, you know, their, their uh, different issues in, in their homes and, and, and things like that. But, you know, investing all of that energy, how can we, you know, learn how to cope in such a way that we can give of ourselves without giving ourselves away to the point that we exhaust our own energy and we have nothing left over for us? Right, right. That makes me think about a quote that Yana Van Zandt actually stated yeah. that um, was in the cup uh -huh. for me. Yes. My cup runneth over, so in the cup for me, so what's overflowing is for y'all. Right. right. Um, so, so we have to learn how to keep our cup on full. Mm -hmm. um, you know, even at half full, still we're still running at half potential. Right, right. But we, we have to be able to keep our cup on full. Um, and people don't understand three simple things, food and sleep and water. So you eat properly, you make uh -huh. sure you rest so you, your mind is clear. Right. And make sure your body stays hydrated. Those, yeah. they, when come, so that's where I start in therapy. I want to know what your diet looks like. Uh-huh. I want to know how much sleep are you getting? Yes. And how much water you're getting in your body. 
it's kind of like one your your car running on oil and air. Yeah. So if you don't have oil, gas. <laughs> right? If you don't have those things in your vehicle, right. your car will not run properly. Right. You run gas. I mean, you can't go and pull up to the water hydrant mm -hmm. and put water in your gas pump. If you yeah. do, you will have problems. Right. So, you, right. you have to make sure that those areas, that's where we start mm -hmm. to make sure you have a good foundation to even build on from there. Right. Right. So, you know, if, if, how do we know, I mean, cause some of the things I think are really obvious, you know, when we're stressed out at work, but you know, one of the things that I reflect upon, you know, was not realizing the negative impact that my job was having on me, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I remember when it became obvious to me, I was sitting in a meeting, it was an administrative team meeting, we're all sitting around the conference room, and I'm sitting there like, you know, looking stank, I mean, not stink, looking just stank, all mad, all angry, and I, and I look around the room, and everybody's grinning, everybody's happy, except for me, and I had an aha moment, and I'm like, you know what? I'm sitting here angry, mad, upset, stressed out, hating life, hating myself, hating my job, hating the parking uh, spot I had. I mean, everything, just hating everything. And they're grinning and laughing. And I'm not. You right. know, so I, I had that epiphany moment where I realized that I was taking on the stresses of my job, taking them personally to the fact to the point where it was truly impacting me. But, you know, how, how can we be more um, aware of how we are taking in or absorbing the stress of our of our jobs? Um, ask yourself, do you have control over it? Yeah, that's, that's oh. where we kind of start. Do you have control over anything that's going on in your environment? Yeah. And if it's no, then can you gain control? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's a yes or no. That's going to go with yes or no either. Mm -hmm. If that's a yes, then how can we exercise or execute a plan of control? Mm -hmm. Or if it's a no, then how can we move on and let this go to mm -hmm. not allow us to stress? Because right. if you stroke out and die today and have a heart attack, XYZ company oh, replace you. Be function. Yeah. Yes. Yes. They're going to be ground before your job posting. Exactly. <laughs> right, right. They're going to have a posting already. <laughs> saying that your position is open oh calling the ground good yeah um so you have to ask yourself is it really worth stress will kill you oh yeah okay it, it is the cardiovascular disease or or um heart attacks are the number one killer in black women 57 percent mm. of women that have heart problems die from heart attacks. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So to take, I mean, like, is it really worth you taking home that stress and taking it out on your kids or your family? Yeah. No, XYZ company is still going to live. They're still going to be making a profit even when you're gone. Right. So, why, so ask yourself, is do I have control over it? And yes or no. And yeah. if you don't have control over it, then you go, you do your job to the best of your ability and mm -hmm. go do the things that you really enjoy. Yeah. Look forward to going for your bike ride in the afternoon or going hiking with your kids on a weekend. Mm -hmm. That's what you count. That's what you're counting down to. Right. Right. So if, you, if you're going to be on a countdown, I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm so tired of being here. Then be on a countdown and to look forward to, to doing something productive and something that you want to do in your life. Right. Because I think, you know, you hit on something that's really important. You know, first of all, is recognize, you know, what we have control over and what we don't. Because I think a lot of times, particularly those of us who are CEOs and really want to get things done and really want to operate at a level of excellence. You know, we take on a lot of things that are not in our control. You know, one of the epiphanies that I had, like in that meeting, for example, was recognizing that I couldn't make my team uh, my my peers do what I wanted them to do. I couldn't make them work mm -hmm. the way I work. I couldn't make them, you know, do whatever it was I thought they should be doing. All that I could change was me. And I, I know one of the the things that I I really began to uh, to believe and and take on, and it showed up in a lot of different ways. 
I remember the quote by, you know, Mahatma Gandhi, we must be the change we want to be in the world. And for whatever reason that day that that popped up in my mind and I began to think that, you know what, I can't make them be the co-worker I want them to be, but I can be the co-worker that I want them to have and 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 influence in that way. So sometimes, you know, we have to look at ourselves and look at, you know, what we can control, but also are we showing up in are we giving off the type of energy that, you know, we want to get back. Cause a lot of times you give out, uh, you get back what you yeah. give out. And yes. so if you all stressed out, huffing and puffing, stank on, on the job and everything, then that's right. the energy you get back. But, you know, if you give off that energy, that the kind of energy that you want to receive, you're more likely to receive it than not. It's not always going to be perfect, but at least you are, are part of the solution rather than kind of being angry that, you know, you're not, uh, that people aren't doing what you want to do because you can't control them. Exactly. Um, and so I use an example with when people walk in a room and say, good morning. Yeah. So if I walk in, in the room and I say, good morning, hey, everybody, how y'all doing? Then you will respond, oh, good morning, how you doing? Yeah. As opposed to, hey, y'all, I'm here. Right. <laughs> Then you automatically set the stage for stink. Right. right. <laughs> right. You can, if you come in that stink, everybody can respond to you stink. And that's so funny because I remember there was this guy I worked with, and he was kind of one of these happy jokers all the time. Is it, you know, because sometimes folks just be a little too happy for me, but he was just happy all the time. Right. right. But I remember I sat down next to him, and it was, it was uh just a real <laughs> eye-opener for me. But I sat down next to him. And he said, um, or he, I was sitting there. He sat down next to me. I'm sitting there stank. He sat down next to me and he said, well, how are you this morning? Uh, good morning. So I was like, ain't nothing good about this morning. Or some, some old stank response. He was like, well, let me get up and go sit somewhere else. And he literally got up and left and left my stank behind. Sit down. Yes. I was like, but, you know, but I was like, well, he fixed me. Yes. <laughs> but you have to decide that for yourself, you know. He didn't have to sit there next to me being all stank and, and in, in a bad mood. And I think a lot of times, you know, we subject ourselves to negative situations when all we got to do is literally move. Right. And that's one of the points of solutions that I have written down is change your, change your environment. Mm-hmm. So if the environment is, if the work environment is stank, we're going we gonna to stick with that one because I like yeah. that one. Yeah. <laughs> if your work environment is stank, change it yeah you change your environment right okay and so just like the gentleman he got up and moved he didn't want to sit by you with that all that grumpy attitude like i can't i i cannot do negative energy yeah i I just can't yeah Yeah. and so i separate myself from people that have a negative energy when i say negative energy i mean you got negative self-talk you talking about employees you gossiping you always got something to say and Trust this, I'm on the job now. As my grandmama say, a dog that'll that'll carry a bone or bring a bone. Yeah. <laughs> grandmama said, right, so, yeah, you're talking about if you're talking about me, if you're talking about somebody else to me, then you, you definitely talking about somebody, somebody else. Exactly. So right. stay out of stay out of those conversations and, and right. stay away from those type of stressors. Yeah. You not have you could choose not to be in that environment right um, so, so stay away from work gossip that was another one of the solutions is to create create a environment right for positive right um, and, and even if you just have a little cubicle you can still create a positive environment right in your little cubicle yeah because you know you mentioned something just that's so important i believe for us is if we're truly going to think about being ceos of our lives ceos you know are people of influence Mm -hmm. and you know one of the things that i committed to in 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 my career and largely just for my own sanity and for my own psyche because i don't want to be around anybody's thing you know uh but to be committed to redirecting conversation. So when when you when when people want to bring the mess to you, because you don't have to, you know, be ugly about it. You can just, you know, just redirect the conversation or or, you know, just take or be determined to ask the question, you know, well, is is it is it kind? Is it helpful? 
is it true right and and if it's not kind helpful and true then why are you saying that you know and and just try really getting people to to focus on things that are going to uplift your environment mm -hmm. and 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 we have to really take ownership of influencing our own environment because we can't necessarily you know choose our co-workers all the time now when you get to be ceo you do get to choose which means you get to return somebody to the community if they are not acceptable for the environment that you wish to create wish to create <laughs> you know but they get fired y'all yeah. community yeah this is sometimes you give them half the deuce but i'm not gonna do that but anyway so you know but that's something that you know uh, you have to be committed to doing is being the influence and yep. when the gossip starts redirected sometimes you have to just smooth shut it down right. but you know you this is so true in so many different situations you you uh people will um respond to you in the way that you allow them to mm -hmm. and so when you allow people to bring the mess to you well then you give them permission to keep keep bringing it back but when uh, when you create an environment where people know, well, if I come talk to Stephanie, uh, you know, she don't really want to hear all that. So either they don't come around or when they do come around, they conform or they uh, not conform. That's not really not the word I want to use, but they uh, are they blend in with the environment that you want to create. Become a chameleon. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Right. right. Um, so, so be careful what you subject yourself to because mm -hmm. you can be causing your own occupational stress right adds to your mental health um so two and then um trying to balance life and work so that mm -hmm. work life balance can sometimes add to our occupational stress um especially we're going to talk a little bit about CEOs coming when you're trying to transition. I felt like that was my hardest part mm -hmm. going from working for an, an employer to trying to transition into being a CEO and only work for myself. Yeah. Um, making sure that financially that I was okay there. Mm -hmm. Do I have a feedback? I hear feedback on my end. I'm sorry. Um, but financially, making sure I'm okay and then working through this transition part was was pretty stressful so that to me was part of my um occupational stress mm -hmm. and trying mm -hmm. to keep that work-life balance there and along with of course you know I had a teenage daughter at the time that I was homeschooling and oh, she yeah. had a and she had a dance career so that that was that was pretty difficult, but I had, like I said, I had to go back to the basics and make sure I had a good foundation to make sure that I was food, rest, and hydrated. Right. And I know that sounds so simple, but yeah. those are the, the basic fundamentals that I needed in order to stay in that balance and, and not let the occupational actually stress me out out of all these hours I was working. Right. Go ahead. And and you know you talk about like being a CEO and you know the thing is a lot of times we get stressed out because we feel out of balance. But we're not really doing anything to put ourselves in balance. You know, mm -hmm. and, and 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 what I mean by that is balance doesn't happen just because you want to be balanced. It doesn't just whoo everything all magically falls together. I mean you truly have to be a CEO about the situation. You have to plan for balance. Or plan your life just like you plan anything else. I mean, you know, I, I remember kind of when I first began to develop this this skill set of putting my life in balance. It was when I was let's see, a sophomore in college. I had dropped hours like in the fall semester, so I had to make up for my hours in the spring semester. So I had an 18 or maybe it was the spring before. But anyway, I think it was an 18. I, I was carrying 18 hours and wow. I was in the band and, you know, I had my active social life, which was very important. But, you know, <laughs> but I was really trying to figure out how to do everything. And I remember I was get I was stressing myself out about not having enough time. 
And I remember sitting down in my dorm room at my desk and I mapped out the number, literally the amount of hours I had in the day. And I mapped out from the time I got up to the time I went to bed, how I was going to use my time. And the biggest revelation I had in that exercise was that when I planned my day and could actually see how things went together and didn't, I had more time than I thought. And and that is a skill set that carried on into, you know, especially once I began to work and have children. But the point is, you have to plan for your balance. And if your if your work life balance is out of balance, then you truly have to look at what you can do because it's not going to magically happen and you have to plan for it. And an in, incredibly important part of that is recognizing what you can do yourself and what you need to engage people to help you with. Getting somebody to help you with the housework. Getting somebody to help you, you know, sometimes you need help with getting the children where they need to be, you know, when, when you have that option. But really, truly thinking about building your team, we, we're quick to build a team at work, but we won't build a team for ourselves and think we need to take on everything and do it all by ourselves. And you mentioned that the one of the best things I ever invested in was a housekeeper. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. When that, because my. My work environment, I, I usually engaged a lot of time in that. And mm -hmm. so when I came home, so I was working and going to school and then trying to take care of a household as a single parent and become a CEO. Mm -hmm. So one of, the, one of the best things for me was was hiring a housekeeper. And it's like, oh my gosh, you know, like I can't afford a housekeeper, but you can afford a housekeeper. Yes. And, and here in Mississippi, I found a housekeeper for like $50 a week. Uh-huh. I wasn't just gonna do a whole lot. Like I just need you to, to get the clothes together because I need something to wear. Yeah. And I don't have time to yeah. actually do housework. Yeah. That was took up the majority of my time mm -hmm. that yeah. I did have available. So housework. That was one that on my team was my housekeeper. Right. And so right. that, that was a, that was really a huge lifesaver for me because I didn't have I didn't take the time to come in and do the floors and dishes and um, laundry. She came in once a week, mm -hmm. did a, a really good maintenance for me during the week. And that way I could keep it up. You know, I could load the dishwasher. Yes. <laughs> and and possibly get them unloaded. If not, they were loaded and washed. And I could just live from the dishwasher if I had I know, to. Right? <laughs> if I had to. So yes. So yes. Um, you're right. But planning is amazing. And then put people on your team. Right. Right. Yeah. You you have to place people on your team. Yeah. And speaking of team, I just wanted to let you know that this episode is brought to you by C-Suite Women's Network, which offers professional and personal leadership development, strategic planning and organizational and performance excellence strategies. C-Suite Women's Network helps you to develop excellence through training, coaching and providing accountability support for your goal execution. The mission of C-Suite Women's Network is to equip women to be the CEOs of their lives, to use their education, experiences, and influence to create the lives they desire and deserve. Be the CEO of your life so you can be a better CEO in your business. Get equipped to get the results you desire in your life and beyond. Go to www.discovertheceoinyou.com to schedule your strategy session today so that you can get your plan together about how to get to your C-suite life. So again, we want to thank C-suite Women's Network for the sponsorship for tonight's episode of Conversations from the C-suite. And of course, we want to take a moment and just thank those of you who have joined this conversation. Give a couple of shout outs. We want to say thank you to Catherine Michelle. Thank you so much for joining us. We've got Laurie Stewart, Sherelle. I say it different every week. Is it Sherelle? It's, um, yes, it is Sherelle. Sherelle. I said, I said it right. Christelle, right you know, Christelle, that's, that's, that's me being extra. But, but I said it right this week. It's Sherelle. 
Chanel Crystal, but I like to call her Sherelle Crystal. But anyway, Taj Thompson, thank you so much for joining us. We've got Jocelyn Lane on the line, another CEO in her own right, talking about somebody who got all that balance together. Thank you so much for joining us. And then Linda Gray, thank you so much for being a part of Conversations from the C-Suite. And of course, you know, we want to get back to the conversation about time. And one of the things that I really want to stress for you as you begin to transition from just being a receptionist, writing your name on the back of that check to being the CEO of your life where you are writing your name, you signing your name on the front of that check because you write the check is yeah. your time. You know, a lot of, of, of times we will look at what we can afford and can't afford in building our team, just looking at the fact you have to pay somebody else. But you have to look at what is an hour's worth, an hour of your time worth, as opposed to what you invest in a team member. Uh, whether that is literally somebody who is going to help you with your house uh, keeping uh, chores, uh, doing running errors for you, whatever it is. And especially once you are truly building a business, you know, when you invest the $60 a week, mm -hmm. we're just going to use that into a housekeeper. You are freeing up time that is valuable time that you can then invest in your in building your empire, whatever that looks like, whatever that means. And so you really got to begin thinking like a CEO is not just, you know, I'm paying somebody to do something for me, but I'm worth, we're going to say where I am. You know, when I look at kind of my hourly rate, it can range anywhere from, um, I think my, my hourly rate, like from, from coaching and, and it's, especially being an attorney, it can range anywhere from, $150 an hour all the way up to $350 an hour. All right. So if I am, we're going to use the $200 an hour person doing a job that someone can make $11 an hour. Is that a true, is that a good investment of my time? I'm wasting. All right. I should have picked a number. I'm going to say $10 an hour because, you know, your girl don't add too well without a calculator. So I'm wasting $190. We're going to say $10. When I could pay somebody 10, take my $190 worth of value and in invest it into something that's going to produce revenue or have a better outcome. So you got to start thinking like a CEO. <laughs> exactly. Right. I, I totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. So now even having that perspective, I think I, I actually learned that concept, Dr. Barnes, when we were doing our coaching mm -hmm. on Tuesday mornings at 5 30 a.m. It, it, right, it was but it was 5 30 for me. 5 30 a.m. every Tuesday morning for yeah. 12 weeks. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. You talking about some dedication? Yes. <laughs> some dedication. But yeah. I learned that concept during our training that how valuable is my time as a CEO? Mm -hmm. And so I have learned how to delegate those duties. Hello. And one of my employees, yes, one of my employees actually, yes, last week, she said, oh my gosh, you're not going to, you're not going to believe how many hours I worked, I worked last week. And I was like, okay, and I, I expect you to work those hours for me because I, you freed me up. Yeah. Something else that I needed to do. Right. right. So, right. so I appreciate when they take the initiative, I can give them a job mm -hmm. and then they execute it. And right. that leaves right. me free, not just physically to do something else, but that leaves me mentally to yes. where I don't have to, I don't have to stress over that one thing that I've yeah. got on my board yeah. written. I, when I sign it on my whiteboard, their name goes beside it. Right. And I'm done. I'm done. That means I need to check back with you on whatever date I have on that whiteboard that mm -hmm. says on July the 31st, I need to check back with her on this project. Mm -hmm. Or right. it goes in my calendar or whatever. So when I write it down, I'm done. I pass that on to somebody else. So mentally that releases me. 
Yeah. So, I mean, you know, because you, you hit on two very important points. One is the importance of delegation and recognizing that delegation is not is delegation is a very strategic way of doing more uh, with less because, right. you know, as a CEO, you've got to look into building teams where you can delegate something to someone. And then the second point is pick the right people. So that when you delegate it, you don't have to go back and ask. Because if you got to go back and ask, have you done it? Have you done it? Have you done it? Have you done it? You ain't delegated it. You just didn't piss yourself off because <laughs> you didn't. Ooh, real oh, bad. You know. So right. and you gotta trust people enough to give them what I call give them direction, and not directions. Direction mm -hmm. is I. I'm going to give you these resources. These are the parameters. This is the time frame. Here is the desired outcome. Go. Right. Be gone. You know, that is all like Miranda uh, from uh, from uh, the Devil Wears Prada. Anyway, Prada. Uh, as opposed to directions, I need you to do this. Then I want you to do that. And when you get through with that, come back and I'm going to tell you how to do it. You know, when you give, you grow your team by giving, allowing them to use their creativity to get to your desired outcome. Because I bet I tell you one of the best lessons I ever learned was that my team was way smarter than I was as it related mm -hmm. to some of the things I wanted them to do. Mm -hmm. When I just said, here's the desired outcome. Here's your resources. Here's your parameters. Before they come back with some stuff and I'd be like, well, I never would have thought of that. Mm -hmm. And so you've got to let go to get more. And that's mm -hmm. kind of hard to do because we want to hold on. Mm -mm. You got to let it go. Like Teddy, like Teddy uh, Pendergrass say, I think I better let it go. Right. <laughs> but you do. You do. You do. So, you know, so for the, for the CEO out there who, um, you know, is, is, is stressed at her job. You know, we've talked about delegation. We've talked about learning the value of their time, creating the environment that they want. What is something else that, that we need to be thinking about to keep our occupations from being occupational hazards? Um, one of the things I used to practice was gratitude. Oh, yes. Because oh we can God. get in such a slump of complaining about the things about other people um about our environment is practice gratitude mm -hmm. what are you grateful for about your job yes oh yeah and you demonstrate that to other people mm -hmm. you know and it's like oh my gosh it's such a horrible day you know it's like no it's not we got we got patience to help we mm -hmm. you know and that's that's kind of the attitude i would always take when i was working for somebody else and ah oh, this is Complaining patients, I was like, well, you know, if we didn't have patients, we wouldn't have a job. Yeah. You know, and, and these people come to us for help. And right. for me, you know, they, they come to me for a reason. If I'm sure if they didn't need to see me, um, you know, they just not coming in to have coffee with me. Yeah, they ain't coming in. So, <laughs> none of that. I don't get that. Yeah. So for me, I had to I had to put my mindset in a mindset of gratitude. And even as a CEO, I feel like you always have to be in the mindset of seeing the positive. Oh, yes. Yeah. You have to be able to see the positive because from the, I think attitudes in a corporation or in an organization start from the top down. Right. Right. And so if you're, if you're the CEO and you're seeing the positive and you have this vision and, and you're staying focused on the vision and you're pushing your employees to seeing this vision and it's seeing the positive in this vision. Yeah. Then like, I, I feel like that kind of trickles down to everybody. But if you come in and you complaining and you fussing at people and barking at folks and, yeah. you know, you're creating a hostile environment as a CEO, then yeah. that trickles down. Right. You're creating, you're creating a hostile environment. And, you know, you, you have really hit on something that is just so, 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 so powerful. And that is the power of gratitude. Yeah. You know, if you want to change any situation in your life, begin with gratitude. And it may seem counterintuitive. This ain't what I want. What am I be grateful for? But I'll tell you, 
it is truly life-changing transformation. I remember uh, years ago now, I was, I think this was 2002, as a matter of fact, no, 2000, 2003, 2003. At the end of 2002, I got laid off uh, from my job. I was the primary breadwinner, um, but I got laid off and it took me a while to get a job. But I think kind of May of 2003, I remember I got this job, right? And it was a job that was going to pay my bills. Um, and it was a, it was at a, a great place, but it was a lot lower than the job I had before. So the job I had before, I was on the partnership track. I was an associate. I had the status. Boom, all this stuff. And then I got a job as a staff attorney, which uh wasn't, that was not what I went to Harvard Law School to be, was a staff attorney. I went to go so I could be a partner in a law firm, right? So, I mean, you know, just really a big ego thing. And I hated the job. And I, I, I literally would cry all the way from Fresno, Texas, which is right outside of Houston, up mm -hmm. 59. I dropped my son off and I'd cry all the way up Highway 59 until I got to downtown Houston. So that was like 45 minutes, all right? But I remember one day that for whatever reason, I decided to be grateful. I said, you know, I'm going to think about all the things I can be grateful for. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm going to come up with five things. And I said, I, and I can't remember what the things were. But when I got to five, I kept going. And when I got to, I mean, I just kept going, kept going, kept going. And I changed my whole outlook. And that was a revelation for me that if I want to change something in my life, I need to start with gratitude. And even to today, if I'm having a bad day, I stop and I just think about I'm grateful. Yes. And and, you know, you may not be you may be in a job that you think is below you. You may hate the people you work with. You may have all these negative things, but you will not change your situation on your job or anything else until you begin to be grateful for the fact that you get up every morning that you have a job to go to because it's a lot of unemployed people, right? That uh, at least you have some choices because sometimes when you so focus on what you don't have, you are unable to see what you truly do have. And so this is not talking about just, oh, just suck it up and bear it and and, and don't try to change things. But what, I, what we're talking about here is embracing the power of gratitude. When you are grateful, you know, I, I have learned to be grateful literally in the middle of my storm because whatever that is, big or small, literal or figurative, because I'm in it. The storm hadn't got me, hadn't hadn't taken me out. And and when we can begin to be grateful, then we can begin to focus on what we can change and really start to create an environment and a job that we truly love. Yes, I agree. I agree. And if you are in a job where you wake up every morning and you dry your 45 minutes and you cry the entire 45 minutes. <laughs> I had to redo my makeup and everything. <laughs> if you drive in 45 minutes and you crying every morning in your drive, I need you to start diverging a plan uh -huh. for your job. Yeah. How are you going to make this change? If that means you have to go back to school, mm -hmm. then first thing we need to do is put in an application at the school of our choice. Yes. You have to start the plan. It is not going to magically happen. People walk in my office. I was like, my magic wand is broken today. I don't know when I'm going to get it back out of the shop. So <laughs> therefore, let's start working on something else. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So start working on your plan. If it's like I said, it's when I um, I think Jocelyn actually had a post on her Facebook page regarding social workers, clinical social workers and how much work it takes for us to get to this point. Four years in college, then we need a master's degree mm -hmm. and then we go and sit for our exam and then we sit for um, X amount of hours under supervision. Then we have to go back again and take the dog on exam again to yeah. pass it to get another type of licensure. And right. this, all of this is costing money and time. So we are almost at a five year span, if not longer to get a clinical, well, yeah. it's longer than that, almost 10 years to yeah. get a clinical license as a social worker. Yeah. 
you got to stay with the plan. Start working on a plan right now if you are not in a position to where you walk in that job every day and it's no longer a job. When yeah. you walk in your office and now it is your passion, yeah. it is your gift, and it no longer causes you this occupational stress yeah. that you probably have right now. Right. Right. And you and you hit on something that's just so very important. Again, again, thinking like a CEO, because remember at the early uh, when I do the the, the dialogue, the entry uh, di- uh, introductory dialogue, I say this and I'm not saying it just because I, I think it's cute. But CEOs make things happen. And as a CEO of your life, you have to make things happen, because I know when I was in a position where I hated my job and didn't want to be an attorney anymore and wanted to do something different because I wanted to grow. And I had gotten to a point where it was pretty stagnant. I had done everything I could do at that level. And I just was unhappy. And I came up with a plan. Well, what can I change? You know, how can I, how can I grow my team? I had to grow my team once so that I could grow myself. But I came up with a plan and I thought about, you know, what what could I do differently about how I did my job? How could I expand the the capacity of my department to do more? You know, right. you, you have to engage people in your plan. I went and talked to my CEO and I told him I want to do X, Y and Z. Is this something I can do within the company? So I mean, you you have to literally create opportunity. It's not going to drop in your lap. Ain't nobody going to walk up at your door. I see you happy, you unhappy in here. I just wanted to give you this new job description. No, it's not going to happen that way. You have to come up with, you know, volunteer for other projects sometimes. You know, you may have to do some things outside of work. And and one of the most important things is to find a source of self-esteem that's not tied to your job. That's gold. Get there. Okay. Hashtag find a source of self-esteem that is not tied to your job because your job is not you. It is a means for you to make money. Okay. It is a means. uh, And and the best situation is where your purpose and your paycheck align. Okay. And sometimes that happens by the job you have. Sometimes you have to create that situation, but it's all about you making things happen right right and if you are a ceo and you're in a position to where you can make those changes for your employees please pay attention pay attention to that employee that is unhappy and she's grumpy with this you know she comes in with the frown in and she's slamming stuff and always complaining or whatever the signs are if you are a ceo and you're able to make those changes alter the environment have a conversation with your employees. Mm-hmm. Saying, you know, I just want to, not trying to get in your business, but I just want to know what's going on with you. Everything right. okay? Right. Because you can't allow disruptive team members to disrupt everybody else. You got to address right. that stuff, you know? Right. Because they being stank and they they emitting all the stankiness mm-hmm. and you're not going to be able to get done what you need to get done. So you got to put on your big girl drawers and, and, and handle it. Right. And stank <laughs> is contagious. Yeah, it's, it's, right. You know, you know, so it starts infecting other people right. and, and the environment. So, it, and remember also in a CEO position that that emotional health plays mm-hmm. a part in other people's physical health. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. I'll so, what, I'll go ahead. Just interject for just one second. One of the most, um, uh, one of the best moments of humility for me as a CEO was when I got back a survey. It was a 360 type survey. Mm-hmm. And one of the comments was, Stephanie is unprofessional. <sighs> Hurt my feelings. Mm-hmm. They did this little, my, my employees, they did this little, um, we call focus group type thing and talked about it. But the thing that I didn't realize as a CEO, I was unhappy. I was unhappy at home. I was unhappy at work mm-hmm. and it was kind of one of those situations when Stephanie wasn't happy, when nobody in the office happy. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't mad at anybody in my office, but I was stomping, slamming those, you know, just being all stank about my situation, not realizing the impact that that was having on my team. Yes. Because they didn't know, you know, what mm-hmm. was right. And I was quote the boss where well, the boss is mad. So if the boss is mad, 
everybody else was on needles and pins. So that's something that as a CEO, you have to be self-aware of whether you are literally the boss or literally a boss because you are CEO and you handling things like that. Regardless of your position, you have to be self-aware of how you are influencing other people and make sure you're not part of the problem. Exactly. On and your I, stuff. I was like, I need to take a shabasana. Yeah. Yeah. That means I need to go on my office and put close yourself in time out. I put I mean <laughs> right. Right. And it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with them. Right. It just, I just need sometimes I just need to take a minute during the day. I'm like, uh-uh, give me some coffee. Let me take a shavasana real quick. And and I just just kind of close my door. If I have to turn my light out, I'm gonna turn my light out and just kind of sit for a minute. Yeah. And take a second. Right. So yeah, we, we really do have to do some self-reflection as CEOs because we do have a lot that we are juggling right. all day long. Employees, phone calls, finance, you know, whatever, appointments, mm -hmm. schedule, making sure things run smoothly, making sure, you know, the next person is well informed of whatever the conversation, the meeting or do we have our meeting stuff together? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Let me ask my assistant first. <laughs> Because one of the things that I think we truly have to own is this. We, if we're having a bad day, it does not give us permission to be a bad boss. You know, right. If we're having a bad day, whatever's going on in our lives, it does not give us permission to be mean and nasty to other people. And, mm -hmm. and that's something that, you know, when, when when we are unhappy, we have to re recognize that and then do something about it because that's not an excuse. You, you know, you pe have people, that's just how I am. Uh, I'm just having a bad day. Uh-uh. You're a grown-A woman, okay, mm -hmm. up in a business setting and a professional mm -hmm. situation, and you need to handle yourself that way. But, right. you know, um, and that's just something that if you're going to be a CEO, you got to own up to it and do it and, and figure out what can you do to adjust um, to adjust your behavior so that you're not the problem. Well, you know, as usual, we have uh, been talking about a lot of stuff and the hour is drawing to a close. Uh, I know. I know. So I want to take these final moments because, you know, this is all about the strategies. And we've talked about, you know, creating the environment. We've talked about being, uh, uh, you know, being grateful. Uh, we've talked about self-reflection. What are some as we as we close out? You know, what are some of the strategies that you know you want us to make sure that we're doing so that we and having a plan? That was another one. Make sure you have a plan for your balance, finding your work-life balance. Mm -hmm. And if you have any questions, you have any comments, you know, this is a conversation. We want to see your comments in the feed. We will make sure that we answer those either during the show or right afterwards. But Sheila, I just want to uh, turn it back over to you to give us some final strategies that we as CEOs must do so that our occupations do not become occupational hazards. I'd like to say when our employees, as I'm going to take a little sidebar here, but when our employees know that we are genuinely concerned about them, yes. it builds rapport and create a form of loyalty, I feel right. like, um, with them. So take a moment as a CEO, if you see that your environment is unhealthy and affecting your employees, and, and that means you have to take a step back and look at you and, and evaluate, are you the problem? Yeah. And if it's you are, mirror. hey, hold up. It's it's your mirror. Mirror. Yes. Oh, I love <laughs> that. I love it. I got this. It says, Boss, bosspreneur. Yep, you gotta get look, take a look in the mirror, like like Michael Jackson say. <laughs> Y'all get you some mirrors, do a reflection, and and you have to reflect on yourself. Is first of all, I say, am I the problem? Uh -huh. Yeah. And and what I learned from you, Doctor Bonds, is is the process the problem also? Yeah. Uh -huh. But we have to evaluate our process and separate the people from the process. The process from the process. Yes. Um, and, and work to say, you know, what is there something that I need to change as a CEO in my process? Right. 
Right. Um, so them 530 mornings, I was listening. <laughs> All right. I'm so glad you were this morning. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, so take away from that is take a look at yourself, take evaluate your process. Remember that your employees are people too, and yeah. they they have real problems. Don't tell them something crazy like, well, you got to leave your problems at the door. That is the stupidest thing you could ever say as a boss. I will say it again. That is the most ignorant statement you could say that you have to leave your problems at the door. These people come with real issues just like you do. Um, so, so be sure that you are not the problem that's causing the mental distress to your employees. Right. And when people tell you about yourself, believe them, believe them. Yes. Believe them. So if, if, you know, so like when, when I got that employee feedback, Stephanie is unprofessional. I took mm-hmm. it to heart. It hurt my feelings. It pissed me off, but they had the courage to tell me, which means I had the responsibility to do something about it. I didn't get it perfect every time, but I made a commitment to making yeah. sure that I wasn't the problem and that, you know, I, I continued that self-awareness. So when people tell you about yourself yeah. as a CEO own your stuff, listen and be accountable because you cannot expect them to be receptive of what you tell them they need to change. If exactly. you don't show them that you're going to be willing to, to uh, receive feedback and make the appropriate change. Hello. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, any final, any any final remarks that you want to make as we get ready to close out another great episode of Conversations oh, from It goes by so fast. It's like, is this over? Is it over? I mean, hour is it over? I really like your statement that you said question, is it kind? Is it helpful? Is it true? Yeah. 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 That That is, that is so important. You know, if... Um, because we we get back what we put out, and if you put out kindness, helpfulness, and truth, because you you can uh, what is it? Tell the truth in love. Yes. <laughs> because there's yeah. some truthful things that you need as a CEO and must as a CEO say to people, but be kind and do it in a way that helps, and yes. you will foster the kind of relationship that you deserve. So, Sheila, again, I just want to thank you so much for being with us tonight in the C-Suite. I want you to tell people how to get in touch with you so that they can know where to find Sheila, the therapist. (laughs) The therapist, of course, is on Facebook. You can friend my page, send me a message there if you need to. We also have social media, um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook for River Psychotherapy Service. Our contact information is on there. We also have our website listed on our Facebook page. You can also click there and send me a message if you'd like on our on our website. We are also having a Girl Get Your Life Together wellness seminar. That's coming up August 18th and August 25th. So go out and take a look at our, at our information on that also. Thank you, guys. It has been an absolute pleasure again. All right. Well, thank you so much. We always enjoy having you in the c-suite so we'll see you next time (laughs) all right y'all so thank you so much for being on another episode of conversations from the c-suite and of course tonight's episode was brought to you by c-suite women's network where you can get training coaching and accountability support to help you get to your C-suite, go on over to www.discovertheceonu.com to schedule your strategy session to get your plan together for how you are going to create the life career, and business that you desire. We just want to thank you so much for coming to the C-suite where women create the lives, careers, and businesses they desire and deserve. Conversations from the C-suite is here to equip women to make CEO moves. We want you to learn something, feel something, and most of all, do something. Make those CEO moves. Listen to what you've learned tonight, create circles of influence, educate and empower yourself and operationalize what you've learned to optimize your outcomes. Whether you report to the CEO of your own, whether you report to the CEO or you are the CEO of your own business, you 
definitely are the CEO of your life. And so commit to being a CEO to develop strategies that help you to capitalize your most powerful asset, the power of choice. So until next time, thank you so much for joining Conversations from the C-Suite. I am your girl, Dr. Stephanie D. Barnes, and it is my pleasure to have you where you get to be in the C-Suite at Conversations from the C-Suite, the girlfriend's guide to being a CEO. If you didn't get a question answered, please make sure you put it in the feed. We'll hang around for a little bit to make sure that we get that answered. But remember, the power is not in the conversation, but in your CEO moves. Don't just talk about it, baby. Be about it. But don't wait. Wait broke the scale. Now is the best time to do what you need to do to create the life you desire and deserve. Remember, your life is a product of your choices. Choose to be the CEO of your life. Until next time.